listening to Phenomenology Club Radio. Hello and thank you for listening to this audio podcast. I am Buttress, the host of Phenomenology Club, which is an interactive online community of artists and thinkers centered around this content that I create and curate online for us to talk about which is why both our tagline for Phenomenology Club and the subtitle for this discussion series is Talk About It. Most of these uploads are originally streamed live on our YouTube page. If you're interested in interacting with those as they happen live, please go subscribe and turn on the notifications at youtube.com slash phenomenology club. And in general, to learn more about our club, what we do, and how you can become a member for only $1 a month, please visit our website at www.phenomenology.club. Thank you for listening. Stay trippy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talk About It, the official podcast series of Phenomenology Club hosted by myself, Buttress the wise and benevolent leader of our club, hailing all the way from New Jerusalem. How are you guys doing? Hello, Delilah. Is everybody safe? Is anybody sick? We are thinking about all of you sick people and also about all of you essential workers to whom we are very grateful for your service. Thank you. Um... I'm in New York, which is, as far as I know, still the hardest state being hit by the virus. Um, They're saying that the next week is going to be particularly bad, or the next two weeks. So I am uh, (laughs) going to go grocery shopping in the morning and hopefully not leave the house for a week after. One second. Anyway, um, sorry for the lack of uploads. Um, like I said, I think in the last episode or maybe the one previous, it's been a little difficult to feel as if anything I have to say here to the public is uh, particularly relevant right now with all of this shit going on. I mean, what kind of content have you guys been consuming during this crisis? I mean... I guess most of the media I've been uh, watching, at least (laughs) that's being generated in the now, is the news, you know? It's hard to be focused, really, on anything else. Uh, But I've also been watching a lot of uh, random things, like nature documentaries. They've been uh, (laughs) particularly comforting during this time for some reason. I don't know why. Feels good, feels nice to watch some nice nature documentaries with some nice nature sounds. Um... I also was thinking that, you know, I've done about 45 of these since I started doing this, which is more than I even really realized. Uh, It's only been a few months, um, and I noticed that I get a lot more engagement on the uploads I do with a video camera, which I guess makes sense, uh, because in thinking about what kinds of things I watch on the internet, too, I feel like when there's an image, a video image of the person speaking, there's definitely a bit of a different affect 
you know, you almost feel as if you are hanging out with someone versus this strictly audio upload where uh, maybe you don't feel as much of that effect. <laughs> so I've been thinking about maybe doing some more video ones, maybe some more edited ones. I don't know. I'm interested in what you guys have to say, what kind of things uh, you're interested in getting, if anything. Who fucking knows? Why does it fucking matter? Nothing fucking matters. We're all gonna die. Fuck. Um, but like I also said, uh, Phenomenology Club is literally a club and we're very active in our Discord server. We have daily quarantine activities, including exercise. We're doing a 30 days of yoga challenge with YouTube yogi Adrian, which is particularly fun, uh, and really has me thinking, uh, about my body. All of these exercises I've been doing daily, which is a new habit. I was never really a big exerciser, at least not since high school. Um, doing exercises daily has, has me thinking very much about my body and how my physical health uh, really impacts my general experience. <laughs> Solar Temple says, I thought it was great to see your facial expressions and reactions to the binaural beats. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun upload. A lot of people seem to enjoy that upload. So, yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, webcams are kind of expensive. The one that I have, uh, the USB extension cord that I have is giving me problems. I always buy my electronics super cheap, usually from China, because that's where they're also super cheap, which is probably unethical of me when I think about it. Um, but they tend to only work for a short period of time. And it seems like my USB extension shit out, so I can't really get the camera to reach <laughs> in any way that I could get an angle. But I'm thinking about ordering another one. But yeah, webcam's kind of expensive. I don't really want to pay money for one, but that's cool. Thanks for that feedback. Uh, I do want to get some sort of working webcam set up, so maybe I'll do more of those because, yeah, they get higher engagement. But anyway, um... Like I said, it's been hard to think of what kinds of things, uh, you know, people really want to talk about except for this virus when this thing is so, uh, present and so, um, so important. Everything else seems to pale in comparison in relevance right now. But I think too, you know, reflecting on our own mortality and the fact that we as a global community are dealing with a literal virus a sickness a disease a thing that poses such an immediate threat to our physical mortality and our physical wellness is a really strange and unique phenomena i would say for many of us um those of us who exist in generally okay health i think people who deal with things like chronic illness have a much more um unique relationship to thoughts of disease and mortality because these are things that they have to deal with in their daily lives that many of us at least myself have never really had to confront it's it's been a really interesting experience um and i think a humbling one for many of us i hope anyway to have to <laughs> do battle essentially with this almost neutral force uh, of destruction <laughs> i mean maybe in that sense that it is such a destructive force it is not neutral 
But isn't it really amazing seeing the entire world have to essentially go to battle with this faceless, nameless, nationless thing? Not nameless, it has a name, but I was being dramatic. Uh, it, it's really it's really strange and there are lots of uh, interesting things that I think uh, we're all probably thinking about and and so I've been thinking about some of them um, and like I said we've been active doing activities in our club and one of the things that we just did was read together um, an excerpt from Friedrich Nietzsche's Will to Power I did a reading of it over binaural beats, quote-unquote, <laughs> 396 hertz, I believe it was, uh, that you can actually listen to on this channel, and I believe that I also made the group discussion public uh, to incentivize any of you out there who would like to be a part of our reading series. If you'd like, you could preview what it sounds like to join us uh, in one of our discussions. Um, but one of the things that this text was about... Um, was Nietzsche's ideas about how our entire drive to rational thought and to logic is ultimately underlined by our very biology. And in that sense, the impulse to create logical concepts, to search for a thing like truth, is actually physiological at baseline. And he takes us through these really incredible, well-crafted arguments, and then concludes at the end of the part that we read anyway, that consciousness itself is a thing that arises out of these emergent properties of us being able to perceive our observable phenomena and feeling as if we are conscious. And this feeling as if we are a conscious standalone entity of thinking perceiving being in this observable natural world that feeling makes us feel as if as if this is true as if we possess some sort of a spirit or a soul and this is the impetus for why so many religions and so many philosophies throughout the ages have created uh, a category for this sort of thing the existence of this sort of a thing a human spirit a human soul and even in our more secular institutions even in our institutions of natural science um, we see all types of people uh, atheists included who also come to create some sort of a concept for a thing like this a soul a spirit even if this is not the language that they use this is uh, sort of what is insinuated um i've mentioned dr stuart hammerhoff on this channel i know before he's somebody who i guess i don't know if i would consider him secular but he has ideas about how, you know, maybe consciousness is this thing that is united by some process of quantum something. Uh, he says that, that maybe there is some sort of emergent consciousness that exists as a singular entity and it is, in a sense, tethered to our bodies. And this is what marries the two. Um... 
and this is kind of um a historical narrative right these feelings of there being some degree of separation between our conscious thinking mind and our spirit even if you don't use that word and our bodies um and there is a lot of debate in philosophy especially but also in the natural sciences about how best to characterize what we think is happening here because nobody really knows right it has never been proven or disproven that what we what we describe as our consciousness is actually a thing right um what are your guys thoughts on this what what kind of thoughts do you have about this when you think about who you are do you feel as if you exist in some degree separated from your body? Is there you and your body? Or is there only you which is your body? Because a lot of this discussion too, I think, the way that it unfolds in our general discourse with each other, I think also has much to do with language, you know. To say my body feels this or that way, you know. What is my body? If I am my body, who would be my? When I say it's my body, who else's could it be? Is this something that I am in possession of? And that perhaps somebody else could be in possession of? I think that is sort of the implication from such speech. Even if it's just a reflection of the grammatical structuring of our English language there is this kind of disconnect that happens through language just in the way that we discuss our bodies there is a degree of separation that is kind of implicit to the very way that we speak about our own physiology and our body as a standalone entity um and because i think a lot of this is manifest through language and semantics perhaps my brothers my sisters what we should try to do together is look at the dictionary and think about such things who am i perhaps the dictionary can tell me miriam what is i let's see i i i i i i I, someone aware of possessing a personal individuality, self. Hmm. Someone aware of possessing a personal individuality, self. So in this definition, someone, I assume, is me, I, <laughs> And I am aware of possessing a personal individuality. Already, I mean, this definition is kind of hairy. And the same problem that I just kind of spoke to is revealing itself once again. Someone possesses a personal individuality. Who else could possess such a thing, you know? If we're trying to define who I am, I am someone who possesses myself. I don't know, guys. This is Harry. What does self mean, Miriam? Self. 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 
self. <laughs> Definition 1A. An individual's typical character or behavior. Example sentence. Her true self was revealed. Definition number two. An individual's temporary behavior or character. Example. His better self. Ooh, that's interesting. Definition number two. That was 1A, 1 and 2 that I just read. This is definition number two. Self. The union of elements such as body, emotions, thoughts, and sensations that constitute the individuality and identity of a person. Mm, that is interesting. The union of elements such as body, emotions, thoughts, and sensations that constitute the individuality and identity of a person. So this definition is also, I think, philosophically kind of sticky because it says that it's the union of elements and gives the example of the body, emotions, thoughts. But the question that we are inquiring into is whether or not all of these things are contained within the body itself, right? Body, emotions, and thoughts. Where else do emotions spring from if not the body? Where do thoughts spring from if not the body? This word union, I think, is, is something that we should uh, stick in our pockets. But let's ask the dictionary, what is a body? Body. Oh, no pronunciation for this one? Excuse me? Miriam? The fuck? Huh. Okay. Fine. Oh, here we go. Oh, no. Wow. Huh. Okay, whatever. Fine. Body. Hmm. The main or greater part of something as distinguished from its subordinate parts. Hmm. Example. The body of the novel was quite good, even if the beginning was a bit slow. Hmm. A distinct and separate portion of matter. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. A member of the human race. Hmm, 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 hmm. Oh, you know what? I was in the thesaurus. I'm like, you know what? This doesn't sound right. I now I'm back in the dictionary. Body. 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 <laughs> The main part of a plant or animal body, especially as distinguished from limbs and head. Bitch! You just use the definition of the word. You just use the word we're trying to define in the definition. Are you fucking kidding me? The fuck? The main part of a plant or animal body, especially as distinguished from limbs and head. Bitch. Miriam, you're really disappointing me today. I don't know what I'm going to do about this, okay? Let's read on. 1B. The main, central, or principal part. Okay. Definition number two. This one, I think, harkens back to the definition we just read of self and can give us some insights into how we will craft a philosophical argument here. 2A. Body. The organized physical substance of an animal or plant, either living or dead. 
the organized physical substance of an animal or plant. And this word organized, I think, makes me think of the word unity that we just read in the definition of self the idea that there is a coherence and perhaps the definition of both of these terms is ultimately alluding to the coherence because what is my body if not a thing that is distinguishable from everything around it my body exists as something that i at least perceive to be independent and autonomous from my surroundings right and this is where this is why i know where my body ends and the outer world exists and this is why i feel as if i have a self and an eye because this thing is marked ultimately by the presence of my body. Without my body, what would I be? Is it possible, do you guys think, to be anything other than my body? And if it were, what would that be? Hello, bitches, says Elizabeth. Hello, bitch. Well, I'm going to read some of the comments. Jake. Personally, I feel consciousness is wholly separate from a corporeal body and we exist in a state of interdicted astral projection while we're connected to our bodies. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts, Jake, on reading that are, firstly, I would want to ask you what makes you feel this way? Because I am... Uh, you know, open to really any information that is thrown to me ever about anything. But in order for me to start entertaining a hypothesis, I feel like there has to be some reason why I should even start to go in that way. So I would ask you, what is the reason? Because there must be one that this is the direction you start to go towards. This feeling as if there is a some sort of you that exists outside of your body. And if that were so, then what are the chances that you have a body? Because I think that this is a, rele a really relevant question as well. If, if there were a thing like standalone consciousness, the idea of a Boltzmann brain, there are these disconnected sort of floating nebulous consciousnesses, or at least there is a potential to be, why does that ever happen to inhabit a body? If a body is not necessary for this thing to exist, then what are the chances that every instance I have ever encountered of a conscious being is a thing that has only ever been found in the bodies of others? That is what I would ask you. Solar Temple says, Our bodies can serve as a vehicle for our minds and consciousness. They link up at times, but I feel like they are separate. Bodies are physical, but our consciousness is not. Mm. Again, I would ask you, Solar Temple, the same question. Why do you feel this way? Um, because what, what are the chances, you know? What are the chances that you're... Spirit, because this is really what you guys are describing. What are the chances that if you have one that could exist separate from your body, then why, why is yours in a body? And why does it seem like everybody else's is also in a body? What, why would that be? What is the relevance of a body? There must be one, right? This is what I think, I'll tell you. Um, and I believe that this is what Nietzsche thinks as well. Um, 
I don't want to get super into it because I did want to make a, an upload about this eventually, maybe even a video. Um, but particularly as it relates to artificial intelligence, because this is a thing I think a lot of people are having a lot of fun in the discourse about. But I'll tell you what I think. I think that... I think that... Well, I'll start with, I'll start with an idea from Nietzsche from our reading that we discussed yesterday in book club. Nietzsche, in a certain part of the text, is discussing Descartes, the famous maker of the statement, I think, therefore, I am. And Nietzsche discusses how the feeling that a thinker has thoughts, right? This is not proof of the existence of thoughts. And we know this, right? If I have a thought in my head, right, does that thought exist? In any verifiable capacity, I think to myself, um, you are gay. <laughs> Is this thought I just had, you are gay? Is this thought a thing that exists? Or did I just have the thought? I felt as if there was this thing, this distinct thought that I was in possession of for some fleeting moment. But does that thought exist? Perhaps in some arrangement of words, because really that's all that we are doing here when we have such discussions. But ultimately, I would say, no, that thought doesn't really exist in any sort of verifiable capacity. And if it does, I think that that moment is very fleeting and maybe marked by something like, you know, synapses in my brain firing off at some perfect pure moment or whatever right now. But then it's gone, you know. I don't think that this thought that I just had a moment ago that I'm already forgetting, I don't think that that thought exists, you know. But when I have the thought, I do feel very strongly as if I am interacting with some distinct phenomena that I call the thought, right? I think that the same sort of principle is at play when we consider our own consciousness. I think that our consciousness, the experience of being conscious, is so distinct, so strong, so visceral, that we are left with a feeling, an impression, that our consciousness must be some distinct standalone entity. And in a sense, I possess something that resembles a spirit that I can astral project or that perhaps will linger after I die and divorce somehow from my body something like this you know in this way i ultimately characterize consciousness as something being akin to almost an aesthetic it's the presentation of a feeling but i don't think that my consciousness exists as some unique standalone entity and i think that this idea becomes better pictured when you consider your other senses i mean consciousness isn't even really cold a sense by most of us but i think that you can use an analogy here to think about a thing like my hearing what is my hearing my hearing really isn't anything right when i say my hearing i'm describing to you what it is that i feel like in my ability to hear the fact that i can hear 
leads me to say I possess a thing called my hearing. But what is my hearing? Could I ever duplicate my hearing? Could I ever replicate it in some sort of a vacuum? My particular hearing? I can build a robot that does a thing like hears. It analyzes audio frequencies from the outer world and interprets them into some sort of interfaceable data. But my hearing is not really a thing, right? My vision. What do I mean by my vision? Is my vision really a thing? No, my vision is the best way I have to describe to other people, to describe to you what it feels like to be able to see, right? This is exactly how I think consciousness functions. I think the fact that I am conscious leads me to make statements that include phrases like my consciousness. But is my consciousness really a thing any more than my hearing or my vision or my taste, my smell? I don't think any of these things really exist in any sort of verifiable capacity. I think that through my language, I, uh, it, it's just the way that it is structured. It makes it almost appear so. And not even just through my language, but I think just in my entire uh, sensorium, you know, it, it these things do feel distinct. It does feel like I possess my hearing. I feel like I possess vision. I feel like I possess any of my senses and perhaps in a certain understanding I do you know I do consider myself a conscious hearing seeing tasting smelling being but I don't think that my consciousness is going to stay and linger in the world after I die or something any more than a thing like my hearing would or my vision and if other people believe that this is likely, then I would need to hear justification for why. Why would my consciousness be a thing that sticks around any more than my hearing, my vision, my anything? Reading some of the comments. <clears throat> Jake, I think it kind of comes from when I learned about fields while perusing a physics degree, but I've also had some out-of-body experiences. No concrete evidence, but maybe the body is like a magnet? Well, Jake, um, I mean, to that I would say, too, that I, d I don't think that our experiences can ever be proof of anything. And not to speak too much of Nietzsche, uh for those of you who didn't read it, but one of the things he says in this text, The Will to Power 2, is that substance ultimately is useless as a justification for a thing, right? I can say that the movie was good because I enjoyed it. This qualitative feeling I had of enjoying the movie, that's fine, and, and I can make the statement to myself, I enjoyed it, it's a good movie, but is that proof it's a good movie? No, I can't really prove these sorts of things. I think experience works in a similar way, you know, and on top of this, I think that experience, uh, you know, experience is a physical process. So to, to try to say that consciousness could, and, and I know that you're trying to use um, understandings of natural science and materialism to maybe have a sort of secular conception of a thing like disembodied consciousness. But still, I, I don't, uh, I would have to have a better reason, in my opinion, to put trust in my perceptual experiences when I know for a fact that they're oftentimes so deceptive, you know. 
uh, I've shared this a few times on my channel and elsewhere, but you know, I'm somebody who has a history of, of being in different religions and spiritualities. And in all of them, I felt as if I had these extreme, so visceral, so real experiences that at the time when I was involved in whatever thing I was involved in, I felt was irrefutable proof that whatever I was experiencing and engaged in was real because it was real the way I experienced it but I think to look back at all of that and all these different experiences that I had that validated whatever I was doing the only common thread that exists among all of them is me I am the common denominator you know and so clearly I can have I can have experiences that in a moment I translate back to myself as something and I'm so convinced of it but I think that you know that this is never proof of anything uh, so I would, I would also challenge you on that. Solar Temple says, when you look at things from a very realistic perspective, we all exist within our bodies. Our minds are within them. Our consciousness comes from them, but the mind is so complex. I feel like it transcends. But Solar Temple, wouldn't you say that the mind is your body? I mean, you're saying your mind and your body, but how is your mind something that is not your body, you know? Um, and you say also that consciousness arises from your mind. I think, too, that this is a problem with language. I wouldn't say that consciousness is limited to something that comes out of your mind. Uh, in my opinion, I feel like the best way to characterize the feeling of being conscious is not simply it, it's it's a marriage of it's the unity of everything i experience as a perceptual being you know i feel like everything that is tactile i'm touching a desk right now you know i am conscious of touching the desk this is a part of my conscious experience right now what i can smell right now what i can hear right now how my body feels the temperature of it i don't feel as if my consciousness is a thing that is just thinking rationalizing uh, schematizing in my psyche i feel as if my consciousness when i use this word i'm alluding to the union of everything i am experiencing at any given moment you know uh, I and, and I think that, you know, when I, if I were in some sensory deprivation tank or something, you know, I would feel very differently. I don't, I don't think of my consciousness and my mind necessarily as being these things that are, you know, together always. Like, I, I think that, what, what would my brain be like if it were removed in, in a vacuum or something? I don't think it would really... It wouldn't be this. What I call my consciousness is not simply the part of me that thinks in words and rationalizes with words. Science says, no unconscious. How does your body run itself if there is no unconscious mind? You would not have time to think about anything if all your body functions were conscious. But what do you mean conscious? I mean, and what do you mean unconscious? I, I, if I get up and walk to the fridge without thinking to myself, I will stand and walk to the fridge right now. Is that an unconscious thing? This is, is this what you're saying? That everything I do that I don't articulate back to myself with language is an unconscious thing? This is my problem with uh, the popular conceptions of the unconscious period where's the line drawn when is an action conscious versus when is it unconscious you know 
Like, I don't understand where this hypothetical line is. And when I ask people, what seems to be insinuated ultimately is that my conscious mind is the part of myself that thinks and articulates back to myself. The part of myself that says, I'm going to stand up and walk to the fridge and make a sandwich. But if I stand up and walk to the fridge and make a sandwich without saying to myself, okay, I'm standing. Okay, I'm walking. Okay, I'm taking the bread out of the fridge which I rarely do you know am I unconsciously making a sandwich no of course not I am consciously making a fucking sandwich it doesn't matter if I say to myself I'm making a sandwich I still know what I'm doing language is just a thing that we use so often in the outer world we've come to use it often in our heads you know but it's not some sort of prerequisite for being conscious what about uh humans who have no language what about the humans who existed for millions of years before us without language were they unconscious beings because they didn't say oh i'm going to sit here and contemplate my own existence i'm going to sit here and wonder about how to make fire i'm gonna you know they they didn't wonder about anything in language but they absolutely wondered and they absolutely did things consciously where is this invisible line that exists that separates the unconscious mind from the conscious mind i don't even know if i believe in such a thing i believe that the mind has properties you know and that intention as we call it um is a thing that does have a focus and this is being confirmed and studied by many neuroscientists right now um and it's really kind of amazing these studies that they're doing on what characterizes intentional versus less intentional or quote-unquote voluntary kinds of actions you know these processes are characterized by different neurological variables um so that's interesting but i don't really know what is meant by unconscious versus conscious mind so someone would have to define that for me before I could even answer that kind of a question. Mm. Where do your memories come from? I'm reading a comment. Where do your memories come from? Your conscious mind. How do you think of ideas? Where do ideas come from? They emerge from the unconscious after you beckon them with the conscious. You would have to prove all of that to me, sign. But you know what? You should really read the Nietzsche reading, which you can access as a PDF on our website, www.phenomenology.club, for free. Because he actually uh, speaks directly to these questions. Um, so go have fun with that. <laughs> Maybe I'll come back to that in a second. I'm, I'm reading. Mm hmm. <laughs> You have conscious thoughts and then you translate them into language, usually so unconsciously that you think that language is the thought itself. I don't know who you're speaking to because I believe that I just addressed this for you. I don't think that language is what determines a thought. I think that language is what we use to describe the thoughts <laughs> that underlie them and language obviously puts such a limitation on us here i mean it's so difficult to have half of these conversations simply because our language is already structured in such a way that makes this very difficult because it's only as language evolved and we came up with more and more complex concepts to categorize these kinds of ideas that we had to really start grappling with them and we're still inventing language to try to make 
these conversations possible at all. At present, I think that it's difficult. I think that in the future, there'll be so many more categories and configurations of language that address these kinds of questions. Um, it's really up to us to come up with them because what are we supposed to do with this very limited tool set? Um, so, um, to answer a little bit of the question you just asked, I want to go back to Nietzsche real quick before I get out of here. It's almost 40 minutes. Um, I, I, I really recommend this text to anybody that hasn't read it. It's called The Will to Power. And it's basically in in the part that we read anyway Nietzsche is explaining how ultimately the thing that creates the impetus the impulse for us to even cognize to cognize about our own reality whether or not we have consciousness as some uh thing we possess as a unique standalone entity whether or not i am my body this or that any of these concepts he thinks that the thing that underlies all of this the reason that we have even created language to try to grapple with these questions is because of this thing that he calls the will to power the will to assert oneself that he believes is observable in every species across the natural world this idea that it is the natural mode of every living being to be decisive this is the universal property of existing period um and it's almost characterized by movement you know he believes that thoughts really are a thing that we are immersed in ever since we are born and in many ways they're sort of reactionary um ever since you are born and you are born as a baby even before you're born as a baby <laughs> probably i don't remember what being in the womb was like but i'm pretty sure we're conscious in there um you are immersed in perceptual phenomena that you really have no control over you can't turn it off vision i could not turn my eyes off if i tried i mean i could consciously blind myself but fuck that not about to do that today I can't turn off my hearing. I can't turn off the feeling that I am a conscious living being that experiences perceptual phenomena in my natural world, right? This is this is a process that we're always immersed in. And the belief in myself and in other objects is a prerequisite for cognizing, period. We like to talk about belief as something that we formulate and then come into possession of. But belief is really a prerequisite of all thinking. I believe from onset, even before I have the language to articulate any of this back to myself, I believe from onset that I exist, that other things exist. And all of the thoughts that I form in this natural observable world are directly in response to the kinds of things that i am experiencing physiologically look at our entire structure of grammatical language every concept even the most simple concept nietzsche brings up the word uh literally the letter a even that concept emerges directly from our experience of being human and having human physiology a what is characterized by this word a or uh the feeling that there are distinct objects in my perceptual phenomena, that I am a distinct 
object or being and there are other distinct objects i can pick up a mouse and move it but this thing a this oh the singular unit objects that are not myself does this exist in actuality not really it exists in my mind this is my experience of other objects you know where I would say other species, you, we already know, uh, you know, there's all different types of species with different kinds of cognizing abilities. They experience things like the perception of themselves and other bodies in space in a way that is entirely unique to their species, you know. Everything in the human experience is the thing that underlies how we even come to have the thing that we call concepts, thoughts, you know. Um, and everything is characterized ultimately by a value relationship that is completely unique to the human experience. The fact that we see specific colors on the frequency spectrum, other species do not, you know. What does that mean? It means that the fact that I can see yellow and I can see green as two distinct separate colors means that this distinction is valuable to my human physiology. And this is why we came up with words to set these things apart into two separate distinct categories yellow and green other species might not see these colors at all maybe they see the maybe they see greater variations between the various hues within them all of this everything in our language that we use to come up with to characterize our experience is rooted in our physiology and in that sense consciousness is a physiological process it arrives out of this every thought you've ever had is a thing that is so prejudiced so biased by your human experience you can have no system of logic or of language that is not 100 percent colorized and tainted through this human lens and in my opinion that is a thing to celebrate you know people like to have these discussions and act as if it is depressing or defamatory to yourself or to others to say that you are only physical or something you know but why would that be unless you feel as if that is a thing to be <laughs> ashamed of you know are you ashamed of being a human are you ashamed of existing as a human with your human physiology and why what else do you want to be what is there to transcend and what could be non-physical what is non-physical what is not physical i mean we exist in a physical world so why would there be anything that is not physical you know what is not natural what is unnatural if you listen to our natural upload you can hear the discussion we had about that where we concluded that there's no such thing as unnatural. And I would say that there's also no such thing as being non-physical, you know. But, of course, ultimately too, like I said, these conversations are incredibly limited by the language that exists to talk about them, you know. I think that there are certain places where our language can be improved upon and also places where we can articulate that the language is fine although finite in certain instances. There's just me. Elizabeth says, I want to be God! <laughs> Bitch, why? What do gods do except masturbate all day on a fucking mountain? Fuck them. I'll fight them. I'll fight them all. I don't give a fuck. And that's what we were saying last night, too. I don't know if this is the same Elizabeth that was at book club, but... 
Who invented all of this shit? Who invented all of these concepts that we're talking about? Consciousness. Bodies. Who asked the question, am I my body? Am I my consciousness? Am I either or? Who? Who? Who came up with any of this shit? All of this shit? Who? Us. Bitch. There is no better thing to be in this conversation than us. We fucking rule. No one else has ever asked these questions except us. No one else has ever come up with these words except us. All of this springs from our human experience. And who's doing battle with a fucking disease right now? Us. Us. Who said I think therefore I am, bitch? Us. You. Me. We fucking rule. I'm sick of all you fucking hippies. (laughs) Shitting all over the human experience. You hear me? You are not a god. You are even better. You are a man. (laughs) We fucking rule. Okay? At the end of the day, all of this shit manifests only by way of us. There is no truth except the truth that we create. We're fucking badass. What? <laughs> Jake Bannon. I know it's unrelated, but you live up there. So I was wondering if you know anyone from Delaware or have been to Delaware yourself. I've yet to find anyone who can answer in the affirmative. <laughs> what, you think Delaware doesn't exist? Yes, I've been to Delaware. Uh, it exists, I promise you. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Who did all this shit, motherfuckers? Before I get out of here, I want to see you say it. Who runs the world? <laughs> Who rules the world? Us. <laughs> Who runs the world, bitch? Say it. Say it. Us. Anyway. Ugh. I feel great. Now I'm going to go do some yoga with Phenomenology Club because we do that daily. If any of you would like to join us, like I've said, go on over to the website, (laughs) www.phenomenology.club. Elizabeth says, but we created Delaware. That's fucking right we did, Elizabeth. Tell them. Tell them. Amen. Us. Us. We. Us. That's fucking right. We invented Delaware. We invented yoga. We invented computers. Bitch. Oh, we rule. We invented coronavirus. <gasps> I don't know about that one. Let's see what happens. Speaking of conspiracies. Um, anyway, going to go do yoga with Phenomenology Club. Please come join us. Um, like I said, go check out the speed reading series. The, all of the texts are free on the website now. And you can also hear the discussions even uh, for a limited time only. I've opened it during the quarantine. You can go over to the website. They're not all public on our YouTube, but you can uh, listen to them. So let's go do some fucking yoga. It's only $1 to join. I think I said that already. Please give me a thumbs up because I like when that happens. It's great. Um, It helps me out. Um, I hope you're all being safe and healthy. Like I said, I'm going to try to be uploading with more frequency. I've been having ideas that's starting to to come to me, the kinds of topics that I feel can be relevant in the midst of this crisis, like this topic. I hope that uh, you feel empowered to go be an awesome motherfucking human being out in your natural, beautiful, motherfucking, trippy-ass world. And I'll talk to you all 
Later.